It's very, very Dutch. Okay, all right. Uh, Chris Devon or CJ Devon? CJ Devon, please. CJ Devon. Uh, it's dedication time. So what would you like to dedicate this episode to? Uh, I would like to dedicate this uh, podcast to uh, my friend uh, Sherelle Renee Childs, who uh, is performing Shakespeare in the parking lot with Stillwater Zephyr Theater. Uh, really? Open la- last night. It goes tonight and then uh, four days this coming week. Um, Stillwater Zephyr Theater. Much Ado About Nothing. One of the favorite Shakespeare uh, comedies. Yeah. Um, I would also like to dedicate it uh, to my daughter, Lily, the light of my life. Um, and on a more serious note, just to uh, George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and uh, um, justice for uh, black people who have been killed un- very unnecessarily right. uh, by cops or, or you know, other instances. I love that. That was a wonderful dedication. All right. Thank you. All right, we're back with uh, CJ Devon. Uh, I want to before we get started, I want to mention my YouTube channel. Uh, Kyle Gothy and I have a YouTube channel called Kyle and Nick on Film, where simply uh, we critique movies of that we just pluck out of random conversations. Uh, so please check it out on YouTube, uh, Kyle and Nick on Film, and you get a chance to see what it looked like, which is kind of neat. Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> so I think that everybody's kind of curious. Like, Very dapper gentleman. Yeah, you get to see what it looked like. You know. uh, with us today, uh, CJ Devon, um, actor. Actor, uh, occasional writer, but occasional yeah, actor writer. mostly. What, what, if somebody put a label, what would you do? Actor first, then writer, or writer then actor? Oh, actor first, uh, actor definitely. First. Yep. Yeah. Well, how did you get started with that? How did I get started with acting? Uh, well, I've kind of always been uh, doing uh, performance-based things. Um, yeah, uh, I was in the sixth grade play, uh, or kindergarten play. Excuse me, kindergarten play, sixth grade that play. That young. That that young. Yeah, okay. they, they start them that young, but. Uh, I think I think I just didn't have the fear to like you know stand up and and go ahead and do something. You know they said read these lines, and so I'd get up and and I'd read these lines. And but um, and then anytime a, a class project would be like you could write something or you could perform something, I always wanted to perform something. So I kind of had a taste of like what I thought I wanted to do. But it wasn't until uh, I got to high school and I took uh, my English teacher, who was also the drama teacher. I took his his Shakespeare class. In a short story class, and then I would uh, audition for uh, the plays that the school was doing too. And it wasn't until I got into the very last uh, play that I could have been in in high school, which was Shakespeare's Twelfth Night, and uh, finally got up in front of like a full like theater audience of people, <laughs> and just right, yeah. and just this you know the energy of you know of people you know laughing and reacting and you know just the thrill of being on stage. I was like, this is a fantastic feeling. I want more of that. And from there I went to college and, and, uh, and pursued it even after high school and, and yeah, pursued acting even more. So, uh, what we regard is, is actually you've been trained. You've actually went to classes. And yeah. I have, uh, my bachelor of arts in theater from, uh, Moorhead state university. I'm the last, uh, graduating class of Moorhead state university before they changed to Minnesota state university at Moorhead. I take very, you know, a lot of pride in that. Um, but yeah, they had a fantastic theater department and, uh, really gave me, uh, all the, the tools and, uh, 
everything that I whenever I go like see plays and uh, you know kind of critique them like in my head the the respect for uh, for theater and for all that I I got from college. When uh, when you do the acting stuff, do you, do you constantly think about costuming, or is that something like you, you read the lines and then you think about it, or you do it at the time that you think about costuming? Costuming, I don't think about a, a whole lot. Um, I, taking costuming was uh, was part of the um, the course right, that's in, why I asked in college. You, right? yeah. So, um, but I think nowadays, you know, when you're working for uh, a you know a community theater. Uh, or when you're working for um, a film, you might have input on what you think your costuming might be, or Which is the, nice. or, or like they might, yeah, or they might just say, you know, just you know, just bring whatever you have. But uh, for the most part, I, you know, I leave that to the the experts who you wanted to, you know, pursue that more. Whereas, like, I just wanted to, per, you know, pursue the uh, performance, you know, of it, and and uh, yeah. When you did um, in theater in college, did you do other jobs around the theater just to get familiarized with it? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, as part of the requirement, you had to uh, spend uh, a lot of time either in the set shop or uh, or uh, doing the sound and, and lights or, you know, in the uh, costuming department also for whatever uh, show was going up. Um, I think I found uh, more comfort in um, the, the scenic design and the, and the building of the sets. I got to pretty, uh, you know, pretty handy with uh you know building uh flats and platforms and uh yeah all that stuff that the stage needs yeah so as people if if you never worked on a movie set or stage set flats are just something to block the lighting or set a, close a room or or whatever well yeah there uh there are legs at the at the side of uh, uh the stage that yeah. uh, that block off so that uh, the audience can't see where the the actors are um flats are actually like uh, a wall if you have a uh, a wall in a yeah. in a room built. That's uh, that's what a flat's built out of most uh, more than more often than not. I had a wonderful time painting flats at uh, Zach Leverson's film uh, where he was making a movie. Um, in a it was had to be oh, hundred ten yeah. in the <laughs> yeah. I have a lot of respect for people who you know build their sets for their films. That's you know that's a yeah. phenomenal thing to do. So, is it more for you? Do you like theater than film? Or are you kind of what is it a certain so well, it's different animals for you. For so acting. about uh, about twelve years ago now, um, uh, my daughter just turned thirteen. Okay. So um, sh so she was born, and I and I got to kind of thinking like, <clears throat> excuse me, um, theater's fantastic. You know, you you uh, go to rehearsal and you spend all this time like you know getting to know your you know your fellow actors and taking this piece of writing and putting it up on the stage for an audience. Right. But unless you take, you know, unless you're able to get rights to film it or unless you, you know, keep the, the programs from it, once that show is done, it's gone. So like, well, how do you know, how do you keep things like more permanent? So that's when I started to like gravitate yeah. to uh, uh, to film because, you know, film, you can have a VHS way back in the day or or a DVD or Blu-ray or now everything's digital so uh that's about the time uh that i started to transition like exploring uh, more film work is uh yeah when uh when my daughter was going to be there and i want things that you know things that would last you know long you know longer than i'm here that you know yeah. that she can see it's one of um a thing because i was just it was kind of a conversation when i had my, my, my friend mike where him and i were talking and was like somebody should make a movie that you know, now that talks about the 80s. And I was like, well, that's still tough. No matter what movie you make now that's flashback, it's not going to look 80s. I mean, you can have something, you know, you can put the 
cars, the fashion, everything. Yeah. But it's still going to be you're going to use digital film. It's not going to look authentic, look like the eighties. You're just going to. It's almost an homage to the eighties. So true. Even like Back to the Future is kind of set back to the fifties. Well, that doesn't what the, really the fifties looked like. It's yeah. Like, that's yeah, yeah. They they built a set of the fifties, or maybe they had something you know, that they could make look like the fifties. But yeah, it was made in the eighties. And the other yeah, and the other thing you're doing with theater. Time is not really a component to it. A theater has certain setup scenes and scenes of scenes. Mm-hmm. But a movie, it definitely has a fluid component of time. You have to think about, like, pacing, I would say, or editing or holding stuff. Or theater, it is the performance. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah, but I will say that uh, I love the thrill of performing in front of a live audience. That's, uh, that's my quote-unquote drug that you can't get anywhere else, you can't replicate anywhere else, is that that thrill of performing in front of a live audience and getting uh, immediate feedback. Um, theater, there's a lot more of a, a time commitment uh, component. You know, you're usually in rehearsal for about you know four to five weeks. Right, yeah. Um, and that uh, So that's what I like about film is that, you know, uh, a full length film can take a long time, but you can do a short film, you know, in a weekend or I see so many uh, of my fellow actors they're you're they're on one set uh, one day and the, and the next set another day, like something like completely different. So you can do so much in like a very short amount of time. I've had, had that, but I've been on a film set working as a PA and then somebody gets a text message about a different film set. And he's like, I got to go. <laughs> I got to worry. I got to <laughs> yeah. time time. <laughs> <laughs> There's a certain little fun that you kind of um, acting is almost you are always working even when you're not working. Mm-hmm. You're kind of you really exercising the muscle, I would say almost. Is that kind of you kind of feel the same way? Yeah, I feel the same way. I think uh, just, you know, in your everyday experiences, you know, you know how you you know see people react or how they relate to one another or just, you know, watching TV or going to see a movie. You know, you're you're kind of researching, you know, in your own head, like, you know. Like, uh, you know, I might not have played, you know, that the way, you know, that guy played it, you yeah, know, but, yeah. you know, he, he got the opportunity to do so. And so maybe I'll get the opportunity to do something similar, you know, someday. But, you know, but I can use it. Like, I really like that that take or whatever. So I think, you know, every, everything that you absorb from the world around you, I, I think, uh, is research, you know, for what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, when you do theater, um, you, do you like to come in early? Do you like to just or just leave late or? Um, well, I, th- I mean, there, there's a, usually a, a rehearsal, uh, schedule. They want you there, um, you know, seven to 10, I think, you know, is most likely. Yeah, this uh, is good for people that don't know. Really, <laughs> no, no, right. Yeah. Um, I would say I'm, I'm not usually one who is like, you know, the, the first to show up or, or the last to leave or constantly needs to be like in the director's <laughs> ear or whatever. But I, you know, I, I definitely, you know, if I have uh, my own ideas or whatever, I definitely want to, you know, bring that across, you know, yeah. to, to the director or find that, uh, that symbiosis of the director's vision and, and my own vision, you know, for, you know, for the character. Um, how did this transition to writing? I was, you know, um, boy, I, when I was younger, I used to like write all these stories. Like, you know, I don't, a lot, a lot of people probably won't remember the, the TV series, uh, Columbo, but you know, I, 
love Peter Falk and and uh, and those uh, murder mysteries. Yeah, you knew uh, you were in trouble when you said one more question. That's like just one, just one more thing. Uh, like, you knew that, you're in trouble, was, right? Well, that was so you know so interesting from a mystery standpoint is they gave you the murder the murderer from the get go, and then mm. it was just all about like, well, how how is how he? You figured it out? Yeah, how is he gonna you know figure out you know how to tie you know those things together? Which is the opposite of Perry Mason, which is somebody murdered and. We're going to try to see if we can figure it out before Perry does. Exactly the opposite of Perry Mason and the opposite of most, uh, <laughs> most mystery yeah, things. Right, most I think that's why I love that one the most. But anyway, um, I wrote I wrote like the series of like, you know, stories of like, you know, if, if I were like, you know, Columbo's son and they were just, you know, weird or whatever. Uh, but, um, you know, but you I do I, that as a kid. You need some yeah. source to. I mean, I drew Batman comics as a kid because, you know, you just. There you go. This, right. You got to. Where'd you're learning from? Yeah, it's it's just it's uh, an outlet for your creativity and and how to get it out. Um, I I mean I, I wouldn't I wouldn't call myself a a writer in that um, I'm not someone who's like constantly uh, writing and I don't you know I don't know how writers who are constantly writing you know train themselves or discipline themselves. Um, I've written a few uh, short scripts. Uh, one one that was uh, that I. Uh, directed myself and started and that was in a, a Z Fest seven I want to say in uh, like 2016. Yeah. Um, so it's, I, if I have an idea and I'm able to develop it in my head, and the bug is just you know gnawing at me and and I need to get it out, then uh, then I'll write it out. I think when I, when you're on the show, and I think that's a nice perception. And I think people who are writers should take acting classes, and I think. You know, actors should do a little bit of writing to yeah. know, at least get a familiar of what the two crafts are doing for each other. And I, I'm really at the point where I've guess I'm also a writer that I think I should take acting classes just to know what am I doing because if you're not familiar with one trader than the other, you're not going to get a great deal, right? I mean, no. I could write a great screenplay, and then the writer's like, well. <laughs> I'm only in it for five minutes. Why? Well, yeah, it can never hurt to uh, um, to try and uh, do you know do something else and, and see what you know someone else yeah. sees. You know that you know that's you know empathy comes out of that your your ability to you know put yourself in in the mind of you know what the writer's going through, what the you know director's going through, um, or for the writer you know to go you know what the actors you know going through. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think that you know everybody getting a taste of like everybody else's uh, genre or, or um, segment, I think it would, is incredibly helpful and beneficial. My God, I can't remember who the writer was. A famous author said, if you've only been a writer, you're not going to be any good. You need to do other jobs to get familiarized to know how to do writing. Mm. And so, yeah, I, I totally encourage if you're a writer and you want to write scripts or something, take an acting class, do get around a movie set to realize how it, gets done because a lot more complex the writing is a lot more difficult to shoot you know you always have to think about setting up and everything and how they interacting how what the dialogue is going to do and stuff for like sure that. yeah so for a lot sure. of definitely courage to do one trade or the other so well and i think what you know whatever uh is your preference to do you know the, the more you you know the more you practice at it hopefully you right. know the better you can get <laughs> and not not complacency <laughs> So, are you able to watch a lot of other films, or you are you, you know that uh, do theater or? Um, I I try you know if I'm not involved in a in a theater show, I try and right. see uh, as many uh, of my friends as show. You know, I got a 
been in the Twin Cities theater community for about uh, 20 years now, so I, I'm I'm blessed to have made a lot of contacts and a lot of friends. So it's like somebody's always in a show that you can come, you know, come see. And then so I, I uh, yeah, I, I do try and get to uh, as many as I can, not as many as I would want, but I try and get to as many as I uh, can see it. Um, if if I don't have a film that's you know appearing in a film festival. I general yeah. I generally don't go because I know that uh, there's limited seating, and so people who are involved in those films are are gonna wanna you know see their work, uh, yeah. done. So, um, but as far as like you know, if if people have you know screening you know, screenings of work that they've done at uh, you know the Riverview or the Heights or Woodbury Ten or right. wherever Great theaters, I, yeah, I'm more than happy to uh, to try and uh, go see those, and you know, yeah, I like seeing those as often as I can too. Have you ever, ever, ever think about directing? Um, other than the one that I that uh, the, the script that meant uh, so much to me is called uh, the Brothers Rockwell. Um, I did you direct that? I yeah, I, I directed and okay. and wrote it and uh, and produced it and and gathered the the crew on my own. Um, uh, I was able to act in it because I had a fantastic uh, assistant director, uh, a guy that I had met on on the set of another film, and um, so I just had a great group of people uh around me so it um i've kind of always thought theater's kind of like the same thing i've i've thought about directing but it's like i like i like being on stage so much more and i like i like being in films so much more that uh you know that i don't you know i don't really have the passion to be behind the camera but it's not, not it's not to say i i wouldn't right. or or wouldn't again but i think yeah you're you think you i think for you directing is just the best for your project Mm-hmm. Where a lot of people are like that's my job. Where you are, well, well, I'm more of an actor than anything else, and that's what I really gravitate to to anything else. Yep. Yeah. Did you like directing though, as a experience? Even uh, though it's your, <laughs> it was it was you know, it was my first experience. It was a it was a trial by fire. Uh, it was, oh boy! You know, well, for, yeah. For the, for the, for the <laughs> you know, I I gotta say it went really well, and I I think uh, hopefully the uh, the actor. No, I'm laughing because it's. What what you have to jump into it? You have to go and do it, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, yeah, and you you don't know what you don't know until you just you know start start doing it. And uh, um, so, like I said, fortunately, you know the uh, my my cast and crew were all people that I had worked with, and they were um, they were uh, very accommodating and and very uh, respectful, and and I appreciate uh, them so much how they uh, uh, helped me you know get through that. Uh, you know, my my editor, I you know I couldn't be you know more uh more happy with and and so i i like to think that uh that because i had been on you know several film sets prior to that i i had an idea of how i wanted you know my film sets to run and 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 i think that you know for being like my you know my first experience right yeah uh after that i i assistant directed a film like right after so i really only had those two experiences but i have to say you know for a first-time director i i think it had it went pretty well, you know. Ho- hopefully, you know they'll say the same thing. I don't know, but I I think you learn a great deal about this more than to to making a movie when a director you constantly have to think about schedule schedules planning. Are you going to feed these people? Are you going to you know in fact maybe you have to can pay them costuming all that stuff. There's a lot of arms that you have to do with directing, and some people have this ambition that I'm going to be a director and they get the experience and like I don't think I can handle it. Hmm. There's a it's a a large assignment. It's a huge umbrella when you're directing. Definitely, and I definitely uh, gained a huge appreciation um, for sound and makeup and 
and editing especially uh, going yeah. through that process because like yeah that yeah. that's not something I had ever really thought too much about until you know I was the head of that process and had to think about all those departments. I brought up sound because I was on the film set and I was talking to the sound guy and I was mentioning to anybody it's like if you want to make a movie one of the things you have to understand is sound is going to mess it up and it's not because of rehearsing or practicing and I even know because I used to be in a band and I'm doing podcasting but mm -hmm. you can set everything up perfectly two hours ago and have all your equipment and something's going to go wrong <laughs> you just yeah. have to plan it for sound that something is going to go wrong yeah or just some yeah some uh symmetrics of the room will just you know or the input do, do does not work right now <laughs> yes. or it's the cord or the input or whatever and and a good sound person brings up backups and backup to the backups to everything just to be ready because something is going to make them something's going to happen there you go or you just not get the recording right or something <laughs> so <laughs> the funny thing is and i always tell everybody is i'm not even a director i've been on movie sets just anticipate sound's going to be a, an error it never goes smooth <laughs> there you go so as um, with the what was the name of the movie again? Uh, Brothers Rockwell. Brothers Rockwell. Well, how can people find it? Uh, they can find it. Uh, I have a Facebook uh, page, Brothers Rockwell, to it, um, and it. I believe it is. Pretty sure I have it on there. Um, so yeah, my uh, my Facebook page, uh, Chris C J Devon, and and I'm the uh, page administrator. Uh, for the Brothers Rockwell, and like I said, I, I believe a version of the film is on that Facebook page. Do you want to give us a little rundown what the, the what the story is? Or uh, sure, is I, it a short film? I think uh, it was a short film. Uh, okay. It's for uh, Z, uh, Z Fest is one of our uh, biggest uh, uh, short film festivals. Oh, it's, yeah. it's grown, you know, bigger and bigger, and bigger in the Twin Cities. If, you I, if I, you're not, if I'm gonna interrupt you, if you're not uh, from Minnesota, it's the letter Z Fest, and it's it's a corporate run operation yeah, yeah i'm sorry yeah z systems out of st louis park uh i think brothers rockwell is also available on on youtube through uh their past festivals that are uh still online still on youtube that way okay so it's on the z fest maybe it's on their their youtube channel wonderful yeah um so brothers rockwell um i just got this idea um i've got uh, uh a sister a year younger and a brother uh 10 years younger um and so i just got this idea of this like family dynamic and so i, I tell people when they see it, it's about 70% fiction and about 30% uh, uh, impacted by my own like family dynamics. But it's about uh, um, these two brothers who are uh, fighters, and their you know their dad was a a boxer or whatever, and uh, you know they you know just kind of a rocky home life with the two of them. Um, um, mom's kind of a mess. Um, uh, the older brother. Uh, who I played uh, was a fighter and then, you know, retired when he uh, found a, a girlfriend that, you know, he was really happy with. Yeah. And uh, so decided that uh, that that life wasn't for him anymore. And the, so the younger brother is gaining a lot of popularity and uh, um, and is, you know, move, moving up the ranks, moving up the belts, you know, becoming a very you know popular fighter. But a lot of people are doubting him because he never faced his older brother before. So the story is um, the younger the younger brother trying to trick a confrontation, you know, for okay. the older brother, so they can finally find out, you know, who's the best or or whatever. Okay, so it's a little bit of a friction with the family, and mm -hmm. I, it's he said that it's kind of a mess. But um, my the wonderful author Emma Leonard said nobody wants to read about the happy little elves that get along and pay their taxes on time. So <laughs> as I said, that's that's why happily ever ever is fairy tales. Right, it's fairy tales, and there's always something meddling in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, how long did it take to, to write it? 
Um, well, I, uh, my process is a little bit different. I think a lot of people, they do like, you know, rough drafts and they, you know, they write yeah. several versions. Um, I, yeah, right across the table from you, right? Over yeah, here. There, there you go. I, I develop, a um, the ideas in my head first and I just develop it, develop it, develop it in my head before I ever hit the paper. And then usually once, once I start getting pen to paper and, um, it goes pretty fluidly after that. And I'm, I'm able to, you know, write it down pretty quickly after that. And then, and then when I type it after handwriting it, that's when I kind of self edit. So rather than going like through several drafts, you know, drafts one and two are like already up, you know, upstairs in my head. Yeah. And then so like version three comes out on paper and then version four is, you know, what I type it in and edit as I go. For some reason, I love to write myself in a corner and try to figure out how to get out of it. You know, when you just like, all right, it needs somebody needs to be shot dead. And, <laughs> and you just write it in and go, oh, crap. Now, how am I going to get myself out of this? So for some reason, I subconsciously put myself in a corner where how I'm going to mm-hmm. figure out how to get out of it logically so it doesn't seem like ridiculous but mm-hmm. yeah i'm working on i'm writing a sequel to the greenway um it, the greenway is all done and it's just the third book's coming out as we speak the third book's the publishing fantastic publishing um i didn't want to write a sequel but it is something is like you like you i'm sure it's a story in your brain that just it's going to stay there unless you get it out yep and so um i'm writing it the script's called the factory mm-hmm. it's a non-linear sequel it Ooh. doesn't really co- it's it's a sequel there's some things from the original story oh. but it's not a literary mm-hmm. it's called a factory but right i think like a lot of people have the first two drafts in their mind their mm-hmm. first two acts and then well, well i'm going to get to the third <laughs> yeah or, yeah well uh, being an actor and directing how would you say you're directing how do you do directing to other actors since you already were an actor uh well I, I like to think that, uh, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I think I was able to relate uh, to my actors quite a bit and just, you know, give them um, motivation as to like, you know, w- you know, what I see, you know, yeah. ideally, if the, if the script is good enough, the script kind of already gives you, you know, those bones, like, you know, what the performance, you know, should kind of entail or like, you know, if you have actors with good instincts, they'll kind of, you know, they'll kind of follow that trail of breadcrumbs that you, that you yeah. write in the dialogue. But, um, for other things that I was able to do or, or as, you know, performances, uh, came up, um, I like to think that, that, uh, I was able to, you know, relate to them as, good. as, uh, actor to actor and, and, uh, explain, you know, you know, what I wanted and why, or like how it looked from, from the camera. Um, and then, uh, as far as like, you know, the other directing, processes you know just kind of you know learning on the fly like you know communicating you know with the makeup artist like like okay she, you know she looks good now let's try a little bit more of this and a little bit less that and uh or um trying to you know just explaining to my d in my wonderful dp andy winters uh my vision of like like okay so i see us being about here and and you know going like here to here like you know how's that gonna work you know, is it possible like you know what's that gonna like or or him setting up like okay i like that um can we tighten in so i don't get that <laughs> yeah. so um but yeah like i said it was a it was a great experience it was you know something that i had to take on because the story meant that much to me and that's why I, I i think it all you know turned out pretty well um and you edit it yourself um, I didn't. Uh, okay. I actually had a, a, a wonderful editor who was uh, um, 
the husband to uh, the sound person. So he was able to come on. And so that, uh, that's what I think if I went forward and, and did more of that, I think what I would want to learn more about, you know, editing and the software and, and what that takes and, you know, maybe try to edit something on, on myself. But no, I, I had a fantastic editor that I'm so great, grateful for. I think if I direct a picture, I'd be more like what um, the late Alan Parker said. He more thrived on the energy of making the film. He loved it. He thrived on it. Let's do this. Time. How about we do this? And he just, it's, it was like a wonderful playground for him. And you can see it in his movies that he actually allowed to play on, on set. And then he goes, one of the grueling tasks for me was sitting quiet in that editing room. He hated it. <laughs> and But a lot of other people are different. Like Wes Anderson doesn't really like the process, but he loves to sit in the quiet editing room <laughs> and craft up the movies. And it's not one is wrong or the other, but I think I'll be more attuned to gr- love the gravity, the energy of being on set and mm-hmm. doing the process and then we got to edit. Oh, for love of God. <laughs> Can I just give it well, to somebody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sh- yeah. Shoot, shooting out of order and like, you know, lining up, lining up those puzzle pieces, you know, in the editing is, yeah, I, 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 I don't, See, I, I, like I, doing, I can't imagine. I don't know what's wrong with me because I like doing puzzles. I do crosswords. I play chess. I love doing all that. But editing just seems, maybe because I haven't done it yet. Maybe that's why. Maybe I haven't done really in editing, but I do. I do give out my scripts to other people to read because I know I'm a mistake prone person. Um, I, stutter a lot when I speak and I write the same way as I speak I sometimes my brain is going faster than my mouth or my hand and I miss sure pronouns or whatever or I, w- I would say absolutely that's a that's a big challenge you know and uh you know can, can you write dialogue that sounds like you know people are talking right yeah <laughs> instead of you going to the exposition room and you're going to give exposition out and, I, and I'm guilty of it right now in my new script that where these characters are solely based just to give out exposition and I feel guilty because that's that's that is lazy that mm. is lazy they don't have personality they're just going to move this advance the story yeah, along. well and that's hard that's hard to authentically make people look like they exist exactly. unless you're intentionally i mean unless you're intentionally want to make them look dull or boring and for a comedy purpose or yeah, like, yeah possibly i'm or thinking like the matrix where the agents are all bland and only speak as exposition oh yeah they, yeah co- they have no personality cookie cut yeah cookie cutter you know they're all exactly the right you know, <laughs> accountants probably so are you ever thinking of going to continue the process of directing or if it comes or something pops in your head again or yeah potentially if uh, if okay. uh, there's a you know another idea that uh, that you know that I give birth to that's you know so uh, um, so important that I feel like I have to uh, otherwise I I think I know uh, enough you know good directors now that uh, that if I had an idea or a script that I you know, so I would feel I would feel comfortable you know passing it on to them and, and letting them kind of like you know help the process that I ended up doing so much on my own, you know, back in the Z Fest. There is some wonderful directors around here. Some very are very actor friendly, some are very technical friendly, but all of them make great movies around here. Yeah. And I think it's a little hidden secret. I think if you want to make a movie, you have to go to Hollywood. But here, people, uh, it's not really they want to be famous. They just want to make good movies. And I think they turn out great because they just want to make good stuff. Yeah, the Twin Cities is, is such a, a an eclectic uh, area for, you know, for theater and, and film both. And, you know, uh, I think the the biggest, you know, obstacle is, is maybe like the, you know, the... Um, the the rebates to you know to bring you know houses here but yeah um yeah i mean there's such a such a vibrant you know uh collection of of talent you know to continuously do like really good films here and uh and really good theater here so you still go to theater 
Well, we're in COVID. I mean, they shut down, but you still used to go. Um, bring well, your daughter. Actually, yeah. Actually, there's uh, we uh, since the movie theaters uh, reopened, we we haven't gone yet, um, but I think probably will. You know, we'll, we'll check them out. But uh, yeah, I, I know there's a couple of uh, of theaters that are doing you know outdoor performances. Yeah, uh, like you just see, mentioned, socially, right? yeah, socially doesn't, yeah, yeah. Stillwater Zephyr in in their parking lot is doing much ado about nothing. Yeah, great, uh, great Shakespearean comedy, um, and yeah, and there's some uh, outdoor improv that I know is like uh, uh, going on, and so um, I think slowly but surely, as as uh, uh, as things are progressing, I think we're kind of getting back to being more more comfortable. Um, going back to to the things we love i know we're, we're not 100 percent there yet still need to mask and distance and you know take You're care right. of your fellow man but you know, i i think we're you know hopefully we're on the better end of of what we've been facing we got to take a small break here uh before we go uh cj what is your favorite shakespeare play before we go to break Ooh, that's very tough. Uh, probably, uh, I would have to say uh, Henry Henry V is probably my favorite history play. Uh, Othello, my favorite tragedy, and Much Do About Nothing, my favorite comedy. <laughs> I just love when he's in court and just says, I'm an ass. I just want to let everybody know. <laughs> Put it on record. Get ready for the new sitcom, Falls a Crown. Everything was coming up roses for Bradley and Cameron until... I could just lie here with you forever. I think we should see other people. And as if that wasn't tragic enough... The rent has gone up higher than annual passes at Disney World. But they have a plan. Turning this place into a brothel. To get a roommate. Enter Allison and Dylan. Your endless sexual escapades. Whole new men into home office. Join these 30-somethings as they face the challenges of balancing careers and dating after 20 Coming soon to a podcatcher near you. Ryan Terry uh, promoting his new podcast, sitcom podcast, Fours a Crowd. Um, that's the ad that was played out previously, uh, Fours a Crowd. So check that out. Uh, podcast uh, from uh, screenwriter, teacher, uh, figure skater, Ryan Terry. Uh, we're back here with CJ. Devon is not much of a comic book guy. He used to do as a kid, right? You well, know, uh, uh, I mean, I, I, I read them. I read the, the graphic novels. I yeah. just am I'm not... I'm not uh, I don't keep up with it. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call myself a comic book aficionado, but uh, I, I keep up with uh, as much as I can. I think if, you, if you're from an outsider perspective to the inside, it looks overbearing. Like it's so saturated. Like I don't know where to begin. You know, and stuff <laughs> like that. But I think if you just start somewhere small and like something, you don't have to absorb the whole world of comic books and like something you would like and appreciate. Oh, yeah. And you will. You'll, then you'll find out how many yeah. movies do come from comic books. Like Road to Perdition was a comic book. It was. A oh graphic, yeah. Yeah, graphic. Exactly. Um, uh, Ghost World with the two girls. That's a comic book. Um, mm-hmm. So a lot of the stuff that you, I think they just came up with another one from France that I saw it on the trailer of, uh, well, that came from a comic book that was popular ten years ago from France. I think it was called the, um, the story is these kids, the kids break into these old people's house, thinking they're rich and they can steal money from them easily, and they realize the old parents, the old grandparents, are actually more diabolical than they no, are no. <laughs> and they look sweet and nice and actually the the <laughs> the grandparents are murdering psychopaths oh. and live in a mansion and and yeah. all hell breaks loose right there's, yeah there there's a twist for you <laughs> 
Well, yeah, I think it was a member of the movie, the horror movie Your Next, where they made uh, animal heads. Okay. They, your Next. I think somebody yeah. watched that and go, well, what if those people went into just the wrong house? Yeah. And they, the people living there were far more psychotic than you were. There <laughs> you go. Yeah. There was a great play of, uh, I don't remember, Funny Games. Remember that movie where uh, like a bunch of youth guys ta- all take hostage at a place in... Uh, uh, I can't like can't say I, can't say I'm familiar with funny games. Nope. Yeah, it did a French version and a remake version. So, mm-hmm. horror movies up your alley? Um, I uh, I actually have been uh, kind of like working my way back through uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I, I, I don't uh, um, I'm not I haven't seen a whole lot of like the Friday the Thirteenth or the Halloween Nightmare on Elm Street. Just you know, kind of was always like my my favorite, and and not even like the. Uh, the first one or or the second one, but I think somewhere around the the third one. I think I was turning uh, thirteen when when the third one was uh, was around, and so I just kind of like got onto it. And Freddie uh, Freddie just kind of like fascinated me for uh, you know for some reason. Friday, Nightmare on Elm Street. The odd numbers are the good ones. Mm-hmm. Friday the Thirteenth. The even numbers are the good ones. There you go. <laughs> that makes sense to you. Yeah, That's my just... perception. Yeah. And any other Halloween movie is fine, but. I think the difference with Nightmare on Elm Street, and I think I've mentioned that on the Facebook podcast, is when I was a kid um, on the playground in the, well, the fall of 84, playing the playground, and a lot of the kids had older brothers, sisters, teenagers. Mm-hmm. Like, Do you know about this movie, Nightmare on Elm Street? You know, it's, it's almost like a double, I dare you to go see it. It's like they're telling about, at the, I remember as a kid, they're talking about I had long fingernails. And I go, whoa, what's, how are you going to kill me with fingernails? Really? Like, mm-hmm. Who cares that fingernails? That's, that's scary. Well, then it's the different perception of the, the glove thing. Yeah, so then it becomes a, a legend that you're like, well, now I have to see it and see what everyone was talking about. But then I then I read the documentary about Ryan uh, Robert England saying he did more of a Fred Astaire impersonation for Freddy than anything. <laughs> That was his inspiration for Freddy Krueger was Fred Astaire. Like, man, I, don't, I wonder what Fred Astaire thought about that. <laughs> Which is kind of weird because if anybody does a research page about real Freddy Krueger, he's very feminine. Yeah, he's yeah he's uh, much more um, flamboyant. I, I would yeah. say yeah he's yeah he's definitely uh, yeah definitely not your your straight you know he, he talks. You know, like the whole time, he, yeah, he's definitely not the the big, you know, solid, not talking, you know, masking the macho m- guy that you yeah. can't kill. But uh, yeah, just yeah, I think Robert England had, like took dance classes, mm-hmm. and you want to interject it, and I think Wes Craven's like, go for it, I don't care, you know, just yeah, yeah play with it, have fun with it. Wonderful. Uh-huh. I think it was a massive hit. I don't know if you, how old you were in '84, but it was a massive hit, and kids were talking about it. Yeah, I was six. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. So like I said, I didn't. I didn't more catch on to it until I was like you know teenage years. Yeah, and I was in. I think it just started like uh, first grade. No, second grade. Second grade. Where everybody was talking about it. Second grade. Mm-hmm. I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's something too about you know just like you know you being being asleep and you know in your dreams is supposed to be kind of like a a, a peaceful. Uh, like respite from from the day, so it's supposed to be a, a safe space. So the fact that you know someone's invading your dreams and making it so that you you know you can't sleep or don't sleep or whatever is, you know, you know, ner- you know more than like you know finding some you know big boogeyman who just you know happens to be in the shadows or just like you know you know whenever you you know you turn around. But yes, you know there there's no there's no escape from you know from falling asleep and no escape from inside your own head. So I think that's probably you know maybe that's why Nightmare on Elm Street fascinates me so much more. 
Alfred Hitchcock made everybody nervous about taking a shower. Uh, Wes Craven made everyone nervous going to bed. Yes. Um, in go. fact, Wes Craven uh, liked that investigation of sleeping and everything. I think it, the 1988 movie uh, Serpent in the Rainbow, where it was all about voodooism and the power of being in your mind and being in a sleep state where it's highly suggestive, where you can self-inflict or you become a slave sure. to somebody. And if you ever, yeah. if you like Wes Craven, Sleep uh, Serpent in the Rainbow was a Serpent fantastic horror movie. But it's the same kind of investigation you did with Nightmare on Elm Street, this mm-hmm. whole, where you're most vulnerable that you get in, get hypnotized, you know, hypnotized or in a state of condition where it's sleep and then you don't really know what reality is and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Wes Craven was one of those people that I'll get as much appreciated because he delved into horror, but he was a great film. Absolutely. Great Absolutely. storyteller. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, even there's stuff where, why did that get more accolades? Because it's a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, have you ever checked out Serpent in the Rainbow? <laughs> have you ever seen it? I I haven't seen it, oh. but uh, yeah, I like Wes Craven stuff, and so yeah, I might uh, check that out definitely. Bill Pullman trying to pull off a horror movie, Indiana Jones is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta go to the jungle. You gotta find out where everybody's picking this stuff up, right? That's yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I mean, it's not specifically like you're an immense in the culture of horror movies, but it's something like it's a movie that you would rather just invent. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially when you're a kid in the '80s, we got bombarded with it. Oh yeah, yeah. That was yeah, that was huge. Yeah, like I said, you know, we talked about the you know Halloween and and Friday the Thirteenth, Candyman. Hard it, yes. yeah. Got all, all the all the classic ones. Were, it's hard know. to tell kids because you know, it's hard to find. I mean, obviously they're still mm-hmm. making horror movies. You don't know how the immense production assembly line of horror movies was kicked out in the eighties. It was. I think the eighties was just like a, a fantastic time, you know, for movies. I mean, you have iconic comedies, you have iconic action f- films, you yeah. have iconic, you know, I, so much iconic horror. Like you know, you know, the eighties was just you know booming. So many people were doing you know everything. It was a wide spectrum, would you say? Yeah, they had a lot of funny movies that were like Screwball or Serious yeah. or. <laughs> Or even Monty Python came back and did like a fish called Wanda, or, even though it's not like a Monty Python movie, but the whole crew came back. Or you have like Ghostbusters that kind of like walks the line between you know you know comedy and sci-fi <laughs> and horror a little bit. <laughs> I want if I if, uh, I got to meet um, the wonderful uh, actor Larry Stork. He came into my college. Uh, Larry Stork was on F Troop. Um, okay, sure. He did a lot of variety of supporting roles. If you look up Larry Stork, you'll find him. He's been in a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. And it just happened, my instructor at college, his that was his stepfather. He goes, you guys know about Larry Stork? And I was like, well, I've seen, you know, uh, The Great Race. And he's go, oh, yeah, he loves that. Um, Larry Stork did a TV show in the late 70s called Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. And, in fact, they sued Dan Aykroyd for <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> and... He couldn't talk about it because they took the name. Like, we did a TV show called Ghostbusters. And if you look, they actually made a cartoon of Larry Stork's Ghostbusters. Remember? The Ghostbusters? I, I, I do remember that. Yeah, the Ghostbusters. And, and then, and, you watch, and, go, and so. No, and so and so then uh, then the the ghost the actual Ghostbusters animated uh, series came out and said we're the, the real, real Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters, right? Absolutely, yes, I remember that. So when we got to find Elite Mary, uh, Larry Stark, he came out on the door and he did his old, "Hey, everybody! I just want to let you know, I am the original Ghostbuster, <laughs> and I threw the pants off him." <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, but if, if anybody realized, if you Google Ghostbuster cartoon, then there's a different version of it. Because I think part of the lawsuit was them allowed to, well, we'll make a cartoon of it. And then the Ghostbusters want to make another cartoon of it. Mm-hmm. So, But right, there was a, definitely a mixture 
in the eighties of genres where something could be funny and horror, like Evil Dead. Yeah. You know, oh yeah. Or something be ghastly horror or something or you know definitely a mm-hmm. play of genre tappings. Yeah. Definitely. Which we still get now, but they don't work. Like Cowboy versus Aliens, that didn't work. <laughs> doesn't work all the time <laughs> well and i think i think maybe, maybe if we'll just you know uh go for uh, evil dead i think you know i mean uh i think that sam raimi if i'm not right oh know, yeah direct, oh yeah sam raimi oh, yeah. um so i i, th- I think it kind of depends um on uh you know on the lead actor i think you know because bruce Cam- bruce campbell was so uh affable and right. and and made evil dead funny you know I, how Sam Raimi shot it did, did too. So maybe Daniel Craig Cowboys versus Aliens not as good. Although yeah. Knives Out very good movie and and right, I think yes. he I think he does a decent uh, decent but completely different you know James Don, James Bond interpretation. But yeah, yeah maybe, maybe you know just not his thing. And, and I don't know if you, if you know it was Sam Raimi who did a lot of movies, but the Coen Brothers from Minnesota worked on Sam Raimi's films. And they worked on Evil Dead. I didn't so, know that. So if you ever watch like Raising Arizona, there's a lot of film techniques that they use in Raising Arizona. The whole speeding car and goes racing up into the house and okay. the zooming on the face and everything, which yeah. is very much what Sam Raimi done. But the Coen brothers learned from Sam Raimi. So there's a lot of stuff that you can see very similar techniques and style. And, of course, there may be some actors from one end to the other. To, yeah. You know, yeah, Definitely. So, uh, which is, again, uh, the Coen brothers spent – over a decade working on other films as working PA, doing other works, working on camera Mm -hmm. crews before they even thought about doing a movie to direct a movie. So um, if you think you're ready to do a movie, maybe you want to work on somebody else's movie set that realize how it's (laughs) played out. Yeah. 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 So um, with the whole acting, when you watch a movie, is it the first thing that pops out? The writing, the directing, I always like to ask this question because, you know, sometimes it goes with the automatic. So when you're watching another thing, what kind of comes out to you first? Oh, boy, that's a great question, Nick. Um, uh, you know, I, I think it kind of uh, depends. I think, you know, I think you can – I think it just kind of depends on, on the movie and the experience. And, it does, does And, uh, yeah, I think uh, you can um, – maybe like the trailer like you know got you in or whatever um and and you're surprised by how well you like the acting maybe of of uh, an actor that wasn't even like in the trailer um or you're just you know maybe you didn't get a taste of like much of the writing you know from the trailer but you know but you're just amazed by you know uh the dialogue and the and the relatability of of people uh, in a movie um then there's, you know if it's <coughs> excuse me um if it's something like a, like I'm, you know, bringing my daughter to, and like I generally don't have like too much expectations, but then you have this whole other thing of, of of uh, emotions that of uh, like parent to child or or siblings to, yeah. together that like you know you you know you're watching a cartoon, but you, but there's all these you know, emotions that are, that are affecting you on a level that you didn't uh, quite expect because you know because you have uh, a child or or just you know something like resonates with you, so I you know. But yeah, uh, I think sometimes you can be, um, you'd be like, well, um, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I'll take Joker, for example. Um, Joaquin Phoenix, I think fantastic performance. The movie as a whole, I didn't think was that great, but his, his singular performance, I think, you know, was, was so incredible. So I think, I think you can have those takeaways. Like, you know, a movie can be 
average or maybe above average, but you know, like certain performances or like lead performance, you know, can, can really stand out to you. So, um, yeah, yeah. We, we, I just talked at, it kind of led into the same conversation I had with Bethany Jones, our previous guest, where you can watch a movie and something just mm-hmm. immensely outshines everything else. You know, something could be wildly wonderful and then yeah. better than it sticks out so much better than anything. Oh, else. Bethany's a great, uh, 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 <laughs> a, a great, um, presence in our film community as, yeah. uh, you know, director and, and, uh, behind the scenes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I give you a take on the Joker, which is, and I, and you know, we're surrounded by images of the Joker, which is, it's, it was a great performance. You're just not going to get the accolades from me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can like it all you want. I'm just not going to. Yeah. You're not going to get it from me. I'm nope. sorry. No, the, no, no, no. That's why, like I said, I, you know, not, <laughs> not, 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 not the best movie, I didn't think, for sure. Um, is there anything, anything coming out that you're looking forward to? Is there any movie that you're kind of anticipating for? Um, you mean like, like mainstream, mainstream or, or anything, or your friend, or, yeah. Um, well, I know. Uh, uh, I usually throw a wide net. <laughs> wide net. Um, well, I know um, uh, Tristan James Jensen and uh, Alexandria Marty are uh, working feverishly on uh, um, on the post post production of uh, Scarlet Rose, uh, a feature film that uh, me and a couple others have been I like wor- that title. worked. That's a sexy title. Yes, we worked uh, you know really hard on that film, so can't wait to, for that to come out. You know, uh, personally, where you you worked on it too? Uh, yes, uh, yeah, I had okay. uh, the the privilege of uh, being one of the lead characters. Um, Wonderful. Uh, my uh, um, my daughter was actually uh, able to be a part. Of, <laughs> actually, I'll tell you the story of how, of how it uh, became. Um, I had worked with Alexandria on on a forty eight hour uh, film festival previously to that. And uh, we kind of, you know, became friends after that. And so she came, <laughs> I hope she doesn't mind me telling the story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Um, she came to, she, uh, she met with me uh, and wanted to get my feelings uh, on this script. And it was just this seven page uh, script. And she, you know, she wanted to know uh, if my daughter um, would be able to, you know, to play uh, the girl's role. And so she wanted to know what my thoughts were. So I, you know, so I told her about the script. Next thing I know, it's this, you know, hundred page, you know, feature length, you know, script. Um, it kind of, it kind of blossomed. Yeah. She, yeah, she, yeah. T- she took it from seven pages to this, you know, to this, you know, huge, uh, hundred page, uh, epic feature, feature length film. And, uh, uh, she got, you know, great actors for it. And, uh, and yeah, so it was something I got to get to do with my daughter and, and, you know, meet, uh, work with a lot of fun people and yeah, well, you, uh, can't wait for people to see it. So it is a full feature. Uh, it will be. Yep. Wonderful. It's a full feature. Um, can you give us a little bit of a, a plot or you can't do it yet? Or? Um, I'm just saying that uh, a woman comes into a uh, psychiatric uh, clinic with an unusual problem. You already sold me. It's got a great title <laughs> and it's got a great premise. So I'm already I'm already eating this all up. I love this. I, I, I love what you know. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, I I think uh, I'm I'm hoping people are gonna love it when the when they get a chance to see it. And so I can't can't wait for them to to get done editing it and uh, and show everybody. When did you guys film it? Uh, we filmed it. Um, I think two, 20, 2017 and twenty eighteen. So I think it's it's getting on. Uh, two years into post or maybe we finished it up some of some of last year. And it's like we uh we filmed it uh up in uh Duluth, Duluth Superior uh area at a uh fantastic uh museum that they let us, you know, rent and use out. Um so it gets kinda like the the old 
you know, a little old timey, you know, classic uh, feel to it. Yes, it does. And, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so it, uh, it took uh, about two, two to three years to, uh, to film principal photography. Well, I, I, I'm glad you mentioned it because especially when people who are doing going to do independent full features that there's you have to work with that, that the scheduling and sometimes you're just not going to be able to do and then primarily a lot of times you're not going to be able to film all of it in one month sometimes <laughs> you're just like all right we'll have to come back later and start mm -hmm. all over again and it's a long commitment usually with independent movies that you can be able to do that yeah maybe in uh <clears throat> excuse me maybe in uh hollywood and uh new york and and uh even in atlanta you have people whose you know primary job is is uh you know making films so maybe then if you have a decent enough budget you can you know get everything like wrapped up in a month or whatever yeah. but uh where you know when when we're when we're all making uh, you know feature films, we know that uh, it's a lot of the times we're financing it mostly by ourselves or crowdfunding or whatever. So uh, yeah, it's it's gonna take time to to build resources and and time to you know get everybody's you know, schedules because people have have to have lives you know outside of uh, ma making art, even though that's what we really want to be doing. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned because um, with the the Scarlet Rolls, you have a is it have it, when we can anticipate it when we're able to be uh, ready to go you think well well i'm sure uh um i'm sure covid uh you know has hasn't uh helped things and i know uh um i know some of the other people uh behind it have had uh, uh um uh things going on in, in their you know private and personal right. lives too so um i'm hoping Next year. First, yeah, first thing next year, yeah, spring next year, sometime, oh. hopefully. Well, that's a lot shorter than I thought because, you know, COVID has taken sidetracked everything yeah. in life, and especially with movie productions. Mm -hmm. and like I said, I've been working on movies, and then sometimes it's like, all right, we're a go. We'll see you. And then all of a sudden, no, we're not. <laughs> so it's a lot of touch and go, especially. And now you know, with podcasting, you have to anticipate a lot of it. It's like, okay, I'll be there. And it's, no, I can't. And so mm -hmm. it's definitely, if you're planning ahead, um, it's not <laughs> right. Yep. Sometimes it's not you. So, uh, CJ, thanks for coming on, man. Oh, you're welcome, Nick. Uh, thanks for having me. I, you know, I love your uh, podcast and well, thank I've, you. you know, seeing uh, seeing the postings on Facebook, and uh, I, I'm just yeah. so happy and so honored to uh, to have asked on. All right, um, I, I think you've known after listening. Uh, it's not over till the guest says it's over. It's over. I like that one. I like it. Oh